Hello, and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I am so happy to be with you. This is Priscilla, Mama Bird here with all my peeps, but I have got someone super special with me today. You can already tell the excitement in my voice, and I'm going to talk really quickly like I like to do. So for those of you who like to listen to podcasts at 1.5, this one is not going to work. So you're going to have to bring it down to your normal speed because we're going to go fast because I have so many fun and funny things to talk about uh, with John Boston. So thank you so much for joining us. I am so excited to have you here on Ponderings from the Perch. Yeah, Mama Bird, this is amazing. Uh, I'm super excited to be here and thank you for having me. Absolutely. We are going to go through some fun and funny things, but people really need to know about how we connected. You were speaking at uh, Green Book's uh, IIEX, so about insights and innovation, and I'm telling you, there is a little bit of virtual conference fatigue going on, but truly, I was so energized by your presentation because you were really showing real-life examples of insights and innovation all rolled into one. So, Oh my gosh, it is so exciting to hear about Truman's, but I'm going to back it up just a minute and let's talk a little bit about your past and how you came to Truman's and we'll leave uh, Truman's as the bomb drop at the very end of the podcast. How's that? Amazing. Yeah. What a, what a windy road. I think we all take a different path to get to ultimately where we are in the present form. But for me, it was pretty windy. I think back to My career, I wanted to be an entrepreneur very early on, failed miserably, found myself going back to business school and fell into a large company called GE. Most of us know General Electric. It's obviously gone through massive, massive transformation, but, you know, really never expected to fall into that role, never expected to be there 11 years never expected to develop the courage to leave and go run a company with a super quirky name called Big Ass Fans. But, you know, I think what you alluded to and what I talk about quite a bit is just how my upbringing really informed my decision making. And I think, you know, when people really learn about me and and my core beliefs, I think, you know, sometimes it's surprising to hear that I spent 11 years at GE and um, it took this long for me to really break out and and find my voice and platform to create my own thing. Mm, I love that. And um, the other joke aside about maybe you working with Jack Donaghy, you know, in microwave <laughs> and programming <laughs> is always good fun. But yes, we've all heard of GE. And what's interesting is almost all of us have heard of big ass fans. And that's such an interesting part, how you went from appliances over there and then really were able to, you know, uh, elevate that brand and bring them to a fantastic liquidation event. So that story is really pretty riveting. But what's so cool is how it doesn't stop there. And I have to tell you a little secret. So I was at IIEX listening to you and going, I was kind of feeling bad because I'm like, okay, GE, yeah, big ass fans. And then you're talking about Truman's. And I'm thinking, I was feeling so outside of the loop going, oh my gosh, how do I not know? Haven't I never heard of this truly innovative company? And then, oh my gosh, even shock value. Then I find out how little it's been around. And yet this is what you've accomplished. I had no idea until after reading the book and then doing a little bit more digging, just how new Truman's is. 
And also, P.S., I am a new customer and loyal fan. So let's talk about that a little bit, how how little Truman's has been around and how you were able to innovate so quickly. Yeah, it, it has been wild and not short of its own challenges. I think when you set out to disrupt an industry that has been moving in one direction for a long time, you're certainly going to face challenges. But look, we're going after an industry that has been around for a long time and has been through a lot of changes. Ultimately, those changes we believe aren't for the better. But look, we sold big ass fans in 2017. I had a commitment that required me to hang out for a little bit longer after that. But what I knew after transacting big ass fans was that I wanted to pick a category that really needed to be reimagined. And you look at cleaning, there is no better category for it. It's a category that's set up for the retail shelf. It's set up for big, massive distribution where you're moving pallets of products from one point to another. And it's really not set up for today's lifestyle. So when you think about all of the magic that's happening around us with e-commerce and better products delivered to our homes that are not only better for us, as people, but really better for the environment when they're going uh, through that supply chain. Cleaning is just so far behind. Mm, and I love so, that. And right, and we went after technology that allowed us to deliver cleaning products in spray form in a more efficient way. We've also really reimagined packaging to remove all of the airspace. So even within categories that we're in that look a little bit like categories that have been around for a while laundry and dishwasher, what we've done is we've made the packaging so simple and so efficient that ultimately it's as it's as efficient as you can be for the supply chain and ultimately for the planet. And that's really our, our thesis on how we can reinvent the category and how we can be a sustainable company. And then you guys along the way did not lose your sense of humor because every product name just cracks me up. I just, I love receiving them and I love looking at them. And I have to say just green with envy as a CEO of a marketing agency, you know, with creatives, we're all just like, look, game respects game. It is the most genius marketing. Just absolutely love it. So everybody on your marketing team, please just go give them a huge extra pat on the back from another agency, just with the total respect there. Well, look, I, I, and I think that's a great topic to talk about because what you do has value. And I think it's rare to find someone like me who has been classically trained in an environment like GE, who tends to really lean towards data and the financial side of the business, yet I have a true appreciation for marketing and branding and a love of it. And I think that when you look at ultimately the companies that have really differentiated themselves and have been able to create extraordinary value, they have used branding as a lever to do that. And my my business partner, Alex Reed was the marketing genius at Big Ass Fans and came with me over to Truman's. And we really sat down and and wanted to create something that was an extension of ourselves, but also had a brand narrative that was true and authentic and funny and approachable and all wrapped up into, into one big promise, which is delivering on just a great experience. And so you know, I do think that what what you do and what others do in this category creates a lot more value than I think those get credit for. So really appreciate 
that shout out about the work that we've done there. But I also think it's super important to, for me to raise my hand and be self-aware to say that that is not the natural instinct of most CEOs to allow for the brand to really have a very unique and special voice. Well, okay, let's talk a little bit more about a special voice because you can tell that this ethos comes from the top. So I'm going to tell you an interesting little thing. So I told you at the beginning that I became a new customer. I heard, you know, you speak. And actually, I was the first to a quick Q&A um, question. And I was I received as a gift a copy of your book, which we're going to talk about your book here in just a minute. Um, but I became a customer and I put an order in and somebody noticed a discrepancy that I ordered something that was a Gen 1 and then something that was a Gen 2. It wasn't going to be compatible whatever it was. And I received an email back from a human <laughs> that said, hey, Priscilla, I noticed you ordered this, but then you ordered this. And that's cool if you have the right stuff. But I'm thinking when you get this, you're not going to like it because they're not compatible. What do you want me to do here? And I was just like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> this is an actual experience where something didn't work and there was an opportunity, you know, when there's a delay or some kind of a packaging problem and someone's just given, uh, you know, a, just a, a, an opportunity for a human decision. You know, also you'd like to say someone who may be classically trained like you are may not see the value of that kind of cons consumer experience or customer experience, but I see it all over the ethos of Truman's. So tell me a little bit about that, how you guys have disseminated that drive that you have for truly making that personal connection with your customer. Yeah, so what is interesting is it has a lot to do with Starbucks and I'll connect those dots for you. But what I would say in short is if anyone thinks that customer service is not a key component of marketing, they're wrong. And for us, I remember sitting in a Starbucks and then I'm going to continue to connect the thread to Starbucks. But when very early on, when we were dreaming about what Truman's could be, we worked in a Starbucks and it was right down the street from my house. I could walk down there and meet up with Alex. And we talked about the company and we talked about things that would make the company special. And I specifically remember the conversation in Starbucks around customer service. And our belief at the time was that it wasn't needed. And we thought that cleaning was a category that was so obvious that really if you led with brand and you led with being very transparent and you provided the information, real-time customer service didn't matter. That was our belief at the time. And we sat there in Starbucks and what we observed day after day was amazing interactions between baristas and customers. And what we observed is in the morning, certain customers would come in and the baristas would know them and they would know their drinks. And then midday would roll around and some of those same customers would come back and the baristas knew what they wanted midday. And sometimes they would even know by the day what they wanted. And it was this incredible customer experience. And we said, you know, what if we created a cleaning company that took some of that magic? Let's try it. And we turned it on very early on. I think it was either week one or week two. And we turned on live chat and a few came in instantly. And we thought, this is interesting. There's something to this. And that little aha moment turned into what I think is a key differentiator for the company. Even today, if you read our reviews, so many of our reviews talk about customer service. 
And when you think about the importance of that, most companies miss that. It's not just about a product. I mean, look, cleaning products, how do you really argue that Windex works more effectively than Truman's glass cleaner, which is called the glass is always cleaner. <laughs> how do you really, like there's a lab somewhere that will say Windex is better and there's a lab that will argue that Truman's is better. But the bottom line of it all is that you have to create an experience that makes that customer feel like they're part of something special. And so we took those variables that we saw in Starbucks. In fact, we hired a bunch of the baristas to be <laughs> And, you know, we built this platform and you're right. You know, it, it's real people. It's people who can have a conversation. Um, I jump in at times and deal with customer service um, issues and, and it's fun. And, you know, I, I appreciate you calling that out because I think that most people miss that when you think about the customer journey and you think about the funnel, the funnel doesn't start at the point of learning about the company and end at the point of buying the product. The funnel is ongoing. And ultimately to really differentiate, you need processes that make that customer feel special. And it's, it's that easy. Okay. Well, let's back that up just a little bit because I really, I said, we're going to talk about your book a little bit, but by page 71, I'm just going to read this sentence where you really got to your point. It says, I, this realize, realization came as Alex and I, Alex Reed, your co-founder, were actively, and I underline this, looking for an industry in need of innovation. So there isn't a lot of happiness and good feelings around cleaning your house. And so that is ripe for innovation. But I want to take this in a step further. I love your sustainability um, concept and really your commitment to sustainability because on page 74, this is where you really get into what I think is the core ethos of uh, Truman's. It says, our company Truman's is somewhat radical. We could have created pre-diluted cleaning products packaged in recycled plastics collected from polluted oceans, but that would be a micro improvement. So yeah, like right here, not, not bad, but that's micro improvement, right? We'd still be shipping a product that's 98% water. And you go on and on talking about instead what you decided to do. But at the end, you say here, so we're taking a radical multidimensional approach to sustainability. And I love this. It show it encapsulates not only your commitment to sustainability, but saying, look, I get it. And so in terms of whether we talk about customer experience or we talk about, you know, sustainability, whatever it is that's the brand promise, but can we do us one better? <laughs> can we go that next kind of, as you say later in your book, that anything is possible stuff. And I have to say, okay, for anybody who's going to read this, maybe for a good time, skip to chapter five, where uh, uh, John does the complete teardown on uh, the bullshit brainstorming stuff that happens at companies. It's like, why, you know, it's like where micro creativity is, is rewarded, but it's really just mediocrity. And so tell us a little bit about why, um, obviously you identified cleaning was something that could really, you know, be disruptive, but you know, I see two big differences. I see where there's people who have an idea. So they go to market and try and figure out how they can make it better. Whereas you guys took a step back and said, before we go anywhere, what's ripe for the picking, <laughs> you know? So, so what were the threads that brought you into cleaning? Because you do talk in a couple of the chapters about, you know, you know, I'm like just Uber for an example. It's just like, okay, well, you know, you know, 
taxi <laughs> driving is ripe for the picking, you know, and we saw all of that happen, but of, these are all so obvious in hindsight. So what was the tone of the conversations you and Alex were having that helped you identify a, a vertical that really was ripe for disruption? Yeah. And by the way, what is interesting about what you said about the concept, which I believe so deeply in the concept of multidimensional sustainability is that having a great brand is part of that because ultimately sustainability means you're gonna be around. And so not only do you have to use better materials and find smarter ways to move products through the supply chain, but you ultimately have to create a brand that people will love and they'll love for a long time. So I, I did want to, to add that on to your comment because I think it's an important extension. And, you know, when you think about the category and ultimately why we chose it, if you take Uber as an example, it was looking at assets that existed in the marketplace. So the brilliance of Uber was the identification and awareness that assets existed, vehicles in the marketplace that could move people from point A to point B. All you needed was someone to raise their hand and say, I'll give them a ride. So I'll download the app and I'll give them the ride from point A to point B. I'll allow for my assets to be there. And so when you look at categories and cleaning is a good one of categories that have assets in the marketplace that are underutilized, there are pockets of the category that work well. In cleaning, as an example, business to business cleaning is extraordinarily efficient. You have outlets like Starbucks or Chipotle and others who have really thought critically about moving products through the supply chain. And when you look upstream to see the partners that enable that type of sustainable activity, they have excess capacity. And so when you look across the industry and you observe what is happening and how you can create things that ultimately leverage existing technology or existing manufacturing systems, that then gives you the chance to think in a different way. And that can be done across a lot of different categories. You know, cleaning, as I said, was one that you think about that bottle of Windex and there's no reason why it should be ready to use bottle at the manufacturing site and then moved through the supply chain all the way to the home when you could simply add your own water. That's one example. That core belief and that core principle had been activated in business to business. It had not been extended to consumer and the technology hadn't been made into derivative form to allow for better use cases for consumers. And so it really is a understanding of how the markets work, what can be in the markets, what assets are available. And I think that too often what we say, and I think what you alluded to is we sit in these meeting rooms and we say, well, look, we go to market as Windex. We have a factory that's optimized for that. That's the way it's always going to be. And here are all the reasons why we can't change. We looked at it and said, there are examples all over the world of better ways to do it. We're simply going to create a system and a process that can work and is scalable and is one that can go up against the big brands and, and ultimately change the industry. Well, your book is just riddled with this idea of how do you break free, whether it's from an industry, an idea, whether it's even a world conflict, like how can we think differently to get out of whatever mess it is that we're in? So I'm going to give you just a quick minute to tell people who haven't heard about your book, you know, what your, let, let me, let, let's hear it from the author perspective. What do you think you really get to it? Um, and I, and then I, I have a few 
comments after now having read it um, about some people that I think who should read it. Like if they're, if this is the way they're thinking, this, this is what they should read. But let's hear it directly from you. It's the elephant's dilemma, break free and reimagine your future at work. So kind of give us that pitch. Who, who should read this book? You know, I, I, I think it's, it's for anyone who wakes up in the morning and looks at themselves as they're brushing their teeth and questions the path that they're on. It's for anyone who gets in the shower and starts thinking about making a bigger impact. It's for anyone who on their way to work just feels like they're stuck. And what it does is it talks about my journey and not only my journey, but the journey of my ancestors and how I have looked back at my family's history and understood the leaps they took and then understood how I felt like these leaps that I wanted to take were so big, but in reality, they weren't that big. And once I developed the confidence to go out and do it, I realized that you can create extraordinary change. And so what it ultimately speaks to are individuals who, by the way, most of us experience this, those moments where you just want to do something different you want to make a bigger impact and you don't feel like you have permission to do it, or you think the next year is the better year to do it. And ultimately what happens is we, we, we convince ourselves to not take the leap, to not take the step. And so it really is a battle cry to say, no one is going to tap you on the shoulder. No one is going to remind you every single day and give you that push to go do it. You have to do it by yourself and you have to believe that you can do it. And not only that, but if you look around, other people are stuck too, and other people are in those moments. And so if we recognize that we feel like others do, that we want to make a change, we can actually take action and go out and do it. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's really for someone who wants to look back at their time on this planet and feel like they made it a better place. And I, I, I look at my kids every single day and feel like what I do is ultimately for their future. And I want them to have a much better experience than I have. And that extends beyond our bubbles. It extends to our waterways, our airways, everything around us. The globe is a community and we need to think about it in that way. Mm, I love it. Well, I think your book is really a a blow-up mediocrity called action. (laughs) Um, But this is interesting because I'm not a huge fan of business books, and I would not really say this is a business book, although you do talk about business all the time. But I think that's the business success is a thread in there and it is interesting. There's, there's something compelling about it, but for me, it's definitely more the call to humanity. Let's, let's do something better. Come on, do better, you know, and it's not this kind of shame ridden kind of, you know, do better and let's all go, you know, to the next workout or whatever. But I feel like you, um, I say battle cry in some ways, because I do feel like what you're saying is come with me. Like, I'm going to do this, but it wouldn't it be better if a lot of us did this? It would be so cool. <laughs> That's where I feel like this book goes. But I got to tell you something funny I wanted to share with you. Did you know that on Amazon, <laughs> um, other people, people who bought your book also are algorithmically connected to people who should read or have read 
these four books. I think you'll enjoy this. <laughs> I think this one's a no-brainer, How I Built This by Guy Raz, which, you know, I'm sure you listen to him on podcasts and I do too, but uh, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. I don't think that's a that much of a shocker, but I this one I thought was interesting. People also have read You End Up Where You're Heading, The Hidden Dangers of Living a Safe Life by Jimmy Rex. And I thought, you know what? Actually, after having read The Elephant's Dilemma, I'm like, that's a little bit more in alignment, I think, with what, you know, John's trying to say here. And the last one was How to Make Shit Happen by Sean Whalen. <laughs> and I thought, okay, the algorithm is working, but I'm telling you, I want to give some time to John to really tee up Truman's and I'd love for you to become a, a supporter. And I'm just going to be so clear on my podcast. You all know this. I bring on who I want to bring on. Um, I am in no way being paid to rep Truman's, um, but it is it has been a phenomenal journey just getting to meet you, getting to understand the ethos, seeing it in action. It's just such a beautiful thing as a creative, you know, to see someone's idea come to life and then be totally working. So I'm going to let you tee that up. Um, but I just want to tell people one of the things that he says in there is about how anything is possible. And so if you're kind of sitting in a job right now feeling like something is a little bit impossible, this could be a really great read. It's super approachable. It's not this um, hidden business agenda of let me tell you how great I am kind of a book. So let, let me leave the last piece of this, John, to you. Tell us about like the products at, at Truman and you have to lead with a couple of the funny names, because I think maybe my favorite one is um, reporting for duty. That might be my favorite one. Yeah, you, you and my 10 year old. Uh, I know, I know this, listen, I'm, I'm, this, this is the kind of bathroom humor that works at my house. I've got an 11 and 15. So, you know, this works for me. And you did give me a brand promise that you could make cleaning fun again in my house. So. That's true. And, and, and we'll have to send some videos on how to do it. But look, I, I think the company, you should definitely check it out. And I agree with you that we set this up based on an authentic connection. And I'll focus more on that than the company. But ultimately, check out Truman's.com. It's a cool company. We do have amazing names for products. We're super proud of them. Um, they, they actually do make both my five-year-old and my 10-year-old laugh. So I got to make sure I I, I get both of them in there because they think reporting for duty is just the most ridiculous thing they've ever heard. And in fact, my five-year-old clarifies almost every other day. He says, daddy, is, is your work duty? Uh, is that what you do for work? And so he wants to make sure that he's able to say duty as much as possible. But look, I, I think the company is amazing and it's part of the journey. It's not the end point. And I think that what I would remind all of your listeners is that truly anything is possible and every connection is meaningful. And I am thoroughly convinced that you, Priscilla, will reach a point that you need to reach out to me and vice versa. And I think that ultimately when we can work together and lift each other up and help each other out, that's ultimately how we're going to move forward. And I think that what Truman's represents is a step in that direction. I don't think that Truman's is going to be the last thing I do. And I don't think Truman's will be the defining thing that I do. But what Truman's represents is a step and it represents a step in that direction. And I think we all just need to take a step back and look around and realize that we as individuals can take those steps. And then we collectively, as, as, as you said, lift each other up so that we can make it happen. And I think that, you know, look, we connected uh, after that meeting, 
we're going to stay in touch. Any of your listeners can reach out to me with questions or comments or areas of, of advice or guidance. I, I think we need more of this and we need more people to say that we understand that we look around and we want to do good and we all need that support to get there. And so, you know, that's, I think, what, what I'd love to leave with and love to remind people. And I think that it's just, it's the most important thing we can pass forward. And the most important thing that we can remind people of is they can do anything they want to do. And there are people out there that are going to support them. Mm, I love that. I love that. I've been saying so often in my podcast um, that collaboration is the new competition. Can everybody please get on this on this wavelength because it is going to make something so much better. And it's not this loosey goosey, oh, uh, you know, free love, whatever, you know, you know, thing that you want to make it at. This really happens with business. It's good business. It's good humans, <laughs> you know, and it's good things that we're leaving behind for our kids. And I think that's such an interesting you know, balance to make. And I will say this to all my listeners too. Um, go ahead and tweet to Truman's or to John because he's a prolific tweeter and he'll probably just respond right back to you. So I love this approachability from, you know, a co-founder and you and Alex obviously have done a good job really, you know, infusing the company and everything you do with that ethos of just um, checking your ego at the door and helping, you know, the company take that next step that feels right. Like that, that, that really does, you know, are, is about humans serving humans. So tell us where people can reach you and give us one more shout out for Truman's products. Yeah. So the company is at Truman's.com. The book, The Elephant's Dilemma is on Amazon. And you can reach out to me on Twitter at J.A. Bostock. We also have a ton of fun on LinkedIn. If you're ever on LinkedIn, come check us out. I'm at John Bostock. Yeah. And I got to say, you know, I posted something with you and we were chitty chatting back and forth on LinkedIn because everybody who listens to this podcast knows how much I love LinkedIn. And it was surprising to me because that actually is rare anymore. And I, I encourage people so much to get more on LinkedIn and they kind of say, oh, it's kind of boring out there. I'm like, well, then quit making it boring. Get out there with me and John. We're making it fun. <laughs> so Absolutely. we will also do something fun. John has offered to give a few of the books away. So we'll post something after this airs. We'll post it on LinkedIn. Be looking for that. We'll tag John and myself in it, and we'll give a couple of these copies away. But definitely, it's something that, you know, I encourage you to also not just read, but to talk with your team and really help your team get around this idea of busting through some of these, um, you know, some of these ideas, taking them just a step further. So thank you so much for joining me on the show, John. Amazing. Thank you so much. From all of the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.